four. Welcome to part four. Uh, what in the we history? Are back. I am Dan Brady. I'm Johnny Smith. And we are going to finish the dive into Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders and the Spanish-American War. Uh, Johnny, I hope you've enjoyed all three parts. Folks listening, I hope you enjoyed all three parts as well. I definitely have. You know I have a ball on this show. Always learning a lot. So, Never boring, though. So on August 14th, just to get right back into it, uh, the Miami... <laughs> Uh, sailed into Long Island Sound, um, and the transport was met by a dispatch boat. The boat came alongside the Miami, its captains and crews saluting the Rough Riders with cheers. I'm happy to take my hat off to you and your regiment, the uh, captain gushed to Roosevelt. Then the Rough Riders gave a cheer for the Navy. The regulars looking on were visibly irritated. Uh, oh, yeah? Well, I mean... You know, this group of, you know, uh, volunteers are getting credit for everything. Yeah. I, I mean, I get that. Like it had to suck to serve in this war and not be a rough rider, you know? Yeah. yeah. Then then it's like, oh, what did you do? Oh, were you a rough rider? No. Oh, then who cares? <laughs> um, and all further hopes of war were dashed. The captain told Roosevelt that there is a preliminary peace agreement with Spain uh, by been signed on August 12th. The news racing among the men crowded on the different decks. There would be no Havana campaign after all, and apparently no more fighting for the Rough Riders. Roosevelt, hey. had, been, Roosevelt had been right about getting the regiment to Cuba with the first invasion force. The other two volunteer cowboy regiments composed of men from nine western states got only as far as camps in Georgia and Florida before the war ended. Oh, that, I know they were bummed. Oh, I'm sure they were. Um, so the Miami anchored four miles off Montauk so that quarantine officers could come out and inspect the ship for yellow fever. Okay, good call. Um, General Wheeler and Roosevelt were the first ones off. Roosevelt, a good 20 pounds lighter than when he left for Cuba. A throng of, <laughs> a throng of excited friends, soldiers, and reporters swarmed the colonel, who shook the numerous hands thrust at him as fast as he could, all the while face flashing his famous teeth. Several, oh, he had famous teeth. Uh, just, he was known for his big fucking teeth. Well, you know what? Fuck that guy and his teeth. Johnny, calm down. All right? Uh, Fucking teeth-having privileged motherfuckers. Anyway, several members of the crowd shouted, will you be our next governor? None of that, Roosevelt said firmly. I won't say a word about myself. All I'll talk about is the regiment. It's the finest regiment that ever was, and I'm proud to command it. Oh, listen to him. He's, he's, the boys are loving that, too. They're eating that up. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, I, I mean, just don't talk about me, even though he's putting himself out there first. Yeah. Yeah. When the quarantine expired on August 19th, the Rough Riders packed up their gear and marched to the regular camp. About halfway, they were met by the Tampa contingent who were leading the horses fresh out of quarantine, uh, who were leading the horses of their fresh out of quarantine comrades. 
So again, they're they're remember that guys were left in Tampa, they couldn't go to war. Yeah. Uh here's another thing of good guy Roosevelt. Um he distributed funds to the families of the men killed and badly wounded. He received several several checks from his wealthy friends for the benefit of the regiment, decided to use his money in the name of the killed and wounded to help these grieving families. Roosevelt would carefully quarry his captains as to whether or not a deceased trooper had a wife or children. If he loomed there was a baby at home, he said, well, we'll make it, make it a trifle more for the baby's sake. He also instructed to make sure that these family members didn't know um, that he didn't, that they didn't know that he sent the money. Oh, look at him. What a fucking guy. He's yeah. like Prince. Yeah, man. Holy shit. Good on him. I go back and forth, but he de- he definitely is living up to the legend. Yeah, it's hard to hate him, man. Uh, in the last week of August, Roosevelt was told that his regiment would soon be mustered out of service, possibly in as little as 10 days. Oh, I know he's wow, wow, wow. Yeah. You know, and then there's nothing for his men to do other than, you know, just go out in town, fuck, drink, be merry, eat. I mean, they did their jobs. Yeah, man. So uh, on the last day, on September 12th, um, there's a huge party the cow punchers held a final bucking contest and that night they noisily celebrated into the early morning. Roosevelt let them have their fun, their whooping, their dancing, and their singing. Um, the following afternoon, a group of Roosevelt's officers asked him to step out of his, his tent. As he did so, Roosevelt saw him, saw facing him a hollow score of troopers, three men deep, by hundred. 500 Rough Riders, 200 Buffalo Soldiers from the 9th oh, and dozens of visitors. Uh, in the center of the square was a small table on which some unknown object was covered by a horse blanket. Underneath, oh, this, <laughs> underneath this was a marvelous bronze sculpture of a cowboy on a rearing horse. The animal's head arched, arched down, its ears pinned back. The bronze was the Bronco Buster by Frederick Remington, the first sculpture the artist had ever created. The men had all chipped in to purchase it. Roosevelt was deeply touched. He claimed he didn't know what to say, but rapidly gathering his thoughts, he spoke <laughs> at uh, Roosevelt expressed his love and pride for his men, not forgetting those who are no longer in the ranks. And before I get oh, into Jesus. his speech, I just want to say I've never read about anybody who is more pronged to just like motivational speeches at the drop of the hat, <laughs> you know, He's just dropping them left and right, huh? Mm-hmm. Like how in movies they break in a song, he just breaks into a motivational speech. Right, man. Just like <laughs> that's, that's great. Just we don't have enough fire to cook all this food. Well, boys, if you have gumption and you have desire, it will be in <laughs> more fire than you need. Oh my God, that's great. Yep, improv in here on what in the history. Boom bop skills. So he said, we parted with many in the fight who could ill be spared. And I think that the most vivid memories that we will take away with us will be of those who 
whom we left under Cuban sod and those who did, died in the hospitals here in the United States, the men who died from wounds and the men with the same devotion of country died from disease. I cannot mention all the names, but those of Capron, O'Neill, and Fish will serve. They were men who died in the pride of their youthful strength. Mm. And he also, he went on to say, and he spoke very highly of the 9th and 10th Calvaries. The Spaniards called them smoke Yankees, but we found them to be an excellent breed of Yankee. I'm sure that I speak sentiments of men and officers in the assemblance when I say that between you and the other cavalry regiments, there's a tie which we trust will never be broken. Hmm. This fucker's always got beautiful words. I'll give him that. Uh, to have such a gift come from this peculiar American regiment touches me more than I can say. This is something I shall hand down to my children and I shall value it even more than I do the weapons I carried through the campaign. So this guy, just off the top of the head, he had this beautiful fucking speech. Yeah. <laughs> uh, someone shouted three cheers for Roosevelt. Three cheers for the next governor in New York. He could have asked any one of those soldiers to suck his dick that night and it would have been happening. Roosevelt asked the men to line up and file by him so he could shake each of their hands. Oh my God. I thought you were going to say so they could all suck his dick. <laughs> Save that for what in the history after dark. Oh, oh shit. That's great. <laughs> he, he spoke briefly to each of them, calling most of them by their first names. Damn. That's impressive. Over the next two days, uh, all the troopers were mustered out of service, and it was the end of the Rough Riders. Man, he sounds like a, a fucking badass and a class act through and through. Like, so, good Lord. Roosevelt was also asked to be on the committee to basically describe the actions in the war, and he called out the War Department. He called out General Schaefer just for all the bungles that happened. You know, he's got like truth bombs out here. Mm hmm. Like going after, you know, why he was the only one assaulting up Kettle Hill, where was the infantry, stuff like that. So people hated him. He's trying to drain the swamp. So, and he was put in for the Medal of Honor, but he kept getting denied. And it, the War Department, it became clear that they weren't going to give it to him. A big part of the problem was the trouble Roosevelt had caused the Secretary of War. First, there was his sensational letter describing the desperate condition of the Fifth Corps in Cuba and the equally damning round robin. Then in November, Roosevelt had testified before a commission appointed by President McKinley to investigate the War Department's blunders. Although Roosevelt hadn't named names, he did speak frankly and honestly about the crippling deficiencies he witnessed. And of course, when Roosevelt spoke, it ended up in the newspapers. Yeah, he, well, good. I mean, was he lying about shit? Right. No, he wasn't. He was speaking the truth. You know, also, that's, a, that's what bothers me. It wasn't like he was lying. And I think that's why people got upset. Uh, also, going against Roosevelt was enormous media attention that had been showered upon him and his volunteer regiment far out of proportion to the other military organizations in Cuba. 
more than 8,000 officers and men of the Fifth Corps had partic participated in the attack on San Juan Heights, but all the newspapers and magazine stories were devoted to the Rough Riders, and it seemed like they had fought the Cubans single-handedly. Many of the officers <laughs> and the regular armies resented the attention the Rough Riders, especially Roosevelt, received. They're not talking about us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not for nothing. If you were in there, though, like we said last episode, and you weren't a Rough Rider, it had to be shitty. Right. And <clears throat> despite having recommendation on Roosevelt's behalf from Wood, General Wheeler, and General Schaefer, the Secretary of War, Algiers, stated that Roosevelt would have to file additional evidence with the department showing he performed an extraordinary act of heroism. Oh, boy, they're busting his balls here. And charging up San Juan Hill, Aljar said, Colonel Roosevelt was carrying out the orders of his superior's officers. If I were to award him a medal, it would be necessary to re reward in like manner every officer and men who participated in that charge. And carrying out the same principle, it would only be just to award a medal to every officer and man who did his duty in the campaign before Santiago. What's your thoughts on that response, Dan? I mean, he led he led units up the hill that weren't his. He saw deficiency. He motivated men to go, and he rode up the hill on horseback. He deserves something. Like nowadays, he probably would have got a silver star or a bronze star with a V. Like he would have been rewarded. Okay, okay. I'm just I'm just curious. Just want to see. Shut the fuck thoughts. up. Okay. Yeah, man. Jesus Christ. Sensitive um, subject. Roosevelt hurriedly went about gathering the additional evidence. Mm, excuse me, excuse me. I'm sorry. We have a younger audience, so I want to include you guys to uh, t trigger alert. <laughs> oh, God, I hate you. Uh, but what he heard from Washington was anything but encouraging. The War Department, he, inform he informed, is indignant at what it is pleased to call my efforts to coerced the boarding to giving me the medal saying that i had gotten you to bring pressure to bear upon them through the president at this point roosevelt fumed if he did get that infernal medal of honor it would look like it was obtained through political influence yep the it's over rosie the roosevelt the War Department's three-member awards panel eventually received no less than nine eyewitness certificates regarding Roosevelt's action on San Juan. While the final names of the Spanish-American War's 25 Medal of Honor recipients were announced in June 1899, however, Roosevelt was not amongst them. The panel concluded he hadn't performed any actions under the law that would entitle him to it. Much closer to the truth was a stinging editorial in the Times from earlier in the year. The Algerian point of view, it claimed, was that the Constitution expressly forbids any granting of Medal of Honor to any man who has had a hand in exposing the rottenness in the War Department. Ah. So basically... Swish, 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 conspiracy. Yeah. So, you know, talk shit, don't get your medal. Hey, man, I dig it. Stand up for what you believe in. Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Yeah, man. Um, so, you know, uh, that's basically, I want to cover one last thing. 
Okay. Uh, some good news to end this out. Ah. On Wednesday. Uh, <clears throat> on Wednesday, January 16th, 2001, Bill Clinton awarded two men the Medal of Honor. The first to be honored is Corporal Andrew Jackson, Jackson Smith, a black Civil War infantryman who risked his life to protect his regiment, state, and federal flags after the color bearer had been killed. The second man to be honored was Theodore Roosevelt. Crap. In 1996, Congress passed legislation that effectively waived the time restrictions for awarding the Medal of Honor, thus allowing older cases to be considered or reconsidered. In July 97, Pennsylvania Congressman Paul McHale introduced a legislation to reward uh, Roosevelt the medal. Uh, I'm not a fan of this. Uh, McHale's bill, corresponded by Lazo and 161 additional representatives, passed the House and Senate and was signed into law by President Clinton on November 12, 1998. Uh, I, he, I figured he would do some, some sneaky shit in his second term. He... Uh, on February 22nd, 2000, Secretary of Defense William Cohen forwarded a report to President Clinton, a recommendation that Roosevelt be awarded the Medal of Honor. I'm going to go off and say this is probably the biggest scandal in Clinton's political career. <laughs> um, Clinton would say Teddy Roosevelt was a larger-than-life figure who gave our nation a larger-than-life vision of our place in the world. Part of that vision was formed on San Juan Hill. Theodore Roosevelt, even though he wasn't alive, many members of his family was there to receive the medal in his honor. Uh, Roosevelt joins James Robb Church as one of only two members of the Rough Riders to receive the Medal of Honor, and he's the only United States president to receive the decoration. Let me ask this, Dan. You might not know a damn clue about this, but what are the Roosevelts up to these days? Oh, man, I could not tell you. <clears throat> I know that Roosevelt had, uh, I believe it was his five sons served in World War I, and one died. He was a pilot. He was shot down in a dogfight. I mean, like, what industry are they in? Are they still in politics? I don't believe so. The Roosevelts. Well, they're, not I mean, on, they're not on security. I mean, they probably have money. That's what I'm saying. Where? From where? Well, you, you know, I don't know. Oh, Jesus. I looked at Dan for answers for stuff. What? I didn't look. Here, here he goes. I always say his research is super deep. Man, who would have thought he doesn't look up what the Roosevelts of today, all his descendants are currently doing? What a shame, Dan. You should be ashamed. <laughs> I'm looking now. Shut up. Oh, wow. Here we go. On the spot research, guys. You get a little peek behind the curtain and see how things are really done. <laughs> um, so the, from what I can tell, they live in Poughkeepsie, New York. Is that like upstate New York? Yeah, it's, it's outside of New York City. So it's like fancy New York? Kind of. Is it like a rich pl person's place? I, I don't really think so. Wow, how the mighty have fallen, huh? 
Dude, I don't know. We're derailing this whole episode right now. That's I don't, what the fuck I do. I don't know what the Roosevelts are up to. I didn't look that far. Dan said, you can't derail me that much. I said, you have no how, idea how high I can fly. <laughs> well, I mean, you're kind of sinking the podcast right now. I, so we're I not sinking. This is quality content for dedicated fans and sometimes my aunt. Oh, so anyway, Rough Riders are disbanded. Uh, Spanish-American War. <clears throat> it didn't really do much in terms of really anything, but it signified this kind of change in the guard. The old world powers of Spain, they got so much debt because of this war. Um, they kind of sunk to the background, and America rose to be one of the top new world powers. Uh, Ow! Yeah. Um, but what the Spanish-American War really did do is it brought our broken country back together. North and South united under a hatred for our enemy, the Spaniards. You know, they came together Re under the Quality racism always unites. Well, I wouldn't say racism, just ha hatred of an uh, enemy that you're at war with. I'm sure there was racism involved because U.S. Well, I'm sure there was plenty of people that uh, took the word Spaniards for anybody of Latin origin. But it brought America back together. It kind of healed the wound that had the, um, that reconstruction area era had caused, that the Civil War had caused. That's really, still an open wound, man. Oh, <sighs> yeah, man. They've been rising again forever now, you fucking, <laughs> fucking losers. I mean... <clears throat> South will rise again. Yeah. Take a Viagra, hillbilly. Oh boy, that was that was bottom of the barrel. Yeah, well, you know, four parts. You can't expect quality information from me anymore. You know who did rise again in two thousand one because of his late Medal of Honor, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah, man, good for him. I, I mean, I guess, but I don't know how I feel about it. Not that how I feel about it really matters, but it's like, yeah, he did some dope shit, but it, the story passed down got probably so, you know, grandstanding. And like, I'm sure he did stuff, but some of it was just sheer thirst for blood and shit like that. Like, yeah. but it made him a legend. And that's what I feel got awarded the medal of honor was the legend. Right. Because, Whoever started petitioning petition for it, you're just a history nerd. You know, I dig it. I get it. But you didn't fucking know him. You didn't know anybody who knew him. Well, it's kind of like after uh, American Sniper came out, some congressman had wrote a bill that wanted uh, Chris Kyle to receive a Medal of Honor. But Chris Jesus Kyle gravity. had already received several, several accommodations for all his brave actions. He was always uh, already awarded a medal. He didn't need another one. Plus, he also wrote in his book that all his medals were packed in a fucking box and were probably never going to be taken out. He didn't fucking right. care about it. All they're doing is trying to get, um, you know, admiration from the veteran community and stuff. And, mm -hmm. and like I said, if there had been other medals other than the Medal of the Honor, Teddy Roosevelt probably would have got one. Like nowadays, he probably would have, like I said, got a bronze or silver star for action in combat. And at this point, it's like, you know, Teddy Roosevelt is accomplished enough. You know, he's already dead. 
He doesn't need it. Well, obviously his family needed it. I guess they did. Is there a, a cash prize that went to his great great descendants? Well, I'm pretty sure that his family would receive that stipend that we were talking about. Now, when does that end, though? Because, like, the, how how far generational does it pass on? Yeah, I have no idea. I'm just okay. speculating here. Okay. Pure speculation. That's what we're known for here on What in the History. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, though, guys. I hope you enjoyed it all. I thought it was very interesting. So, uh, before we get further off track, uh, this is the last episode of November. Our war shenanigans are over. And I just want to uh, kind of tell you guys what to expect for the month of December. Action. Titties. <laughs> and, and glory. So, first up, we have Lenny Bruce. Um, a huge fighter of the First Amendment, and also one of one of the uh, the Godfathers of blue comedy. Yeah, I heard he told some jokes every now and then. Uh, operation Paperclip, which was the CIA operation to bring Nazi scientists here, um, which I'm so excited about. Dan, that's probably the most I'm looking forward to one. Silk Road, which was linked Europe with uh, Asia and, you know, just was a huge trade route for several hundred years. We're going to study the history of St. Nicholas, or as we know him now, Santa Claus. Probably oh, oh, da oh. dash a little Krampus in there, too. Oh, boy. Then That's, to I'm excited for that, too. And then to end out December with episode 20, we have the Texas Tower Sniper. Big, uh, I hate to say it, use this term, but fan favorite here. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's what we got coming up in December. We have great topics coming up in January as well. I'm just excited for the progress. Thank you all so much for listening. Please like, share, subscribe, leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, follow our Facebook and Instagram pages, pages at What in the History <laughs> Pod. Um, yeah, man. That's all, guys. Peace and love. I hope you enjoyed these episodes, Johnny. I hope you enjoyed them as well. And Thoroughly. I can't wait to get these up on the interwebs. <laughs> Dan's 84 now. <laughs> yes, sir. You know me. Mm. All right, folks. I hope you guys enjoyed. It was a moonless night. I 18 years old Life was going nowhere It was midnight at the railroad tracks Miles away from anywhere I said my turn suit and black hair smile on his face ribbons on his chest he seemed to walk on air he promised to get me out of this town I'd be handsome wealthy and
travel the world, be powerful. But a slave until my grave. Now it's raining in the desert. As it always gotta rain on me. I'm just another of the devil's dogs. Would they ever want with me? He grinned and signed my name. Diabolical back seal. Heard the cadence of an evil choir. Sand shifted, I fell into the pit. And marched with the other damned. Till I was one of them But forever deal with Satan We all face judgment in me I was sent to a floating prison But I comfort Now it's raining Devil's Dog